Hello and welcome to People of Tech with me, Charles Commons, the podcast where I speak to leading figures discussing the current climate and the future of technology in their industries. Along the way, we'll learn more about the people behind the job title and share their thoughts and opinions on their role. In last week's episode. Some people, when I do presentations, they go, Rich, what's the best firewall out there? I'm like, the best firewall? As a pair of wire cutters, cut it. And nobody gets in and nobody gets out. You can't do anything. (laughs) But all your stuff is nice and safe, but you can't do anything. The younger generation, they they gravitate to this stuff. And they go, well, you know, it's, it's it's just the internet. It's just sharing. I'm just sharing with my friends. Well, are you just sharing with your friends? Really? Because you could be sharing with everybody on the planet. I actually called my bank one time and I said, why does your app need access to my camera, my pictures, all my contacts, my internet usage, all this stuff, and you're, you're my bank? This week, we conclude my chat with Richard Zalewski, the founder, president, and CEO of the Center for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies. In part one, Rich told me about the time he asked the hotel in Australia about their data security practices before he handed over his credit card details upon check-in. A few weeks ago, I asked Scott Helm how he does things like internet shopping or book flights online when he knows by supplying his credit card details he is putting his trust in that company's data security procedures. I asked Rich for his take. It's acceptable risk. You you figure out what you want to do, um, but some things you just can't get around. If you're going to be uh, booking uh, flights and hotels and things like that, it's just one of the things you have to accept, and you have to hope that they're doing their part at the other end. It's a lot of finger crossing and closing your eyes and going, "Oh, please," <laughs> because that's the way it is. You you you. We can't live in a, a hermit's cave, but. Uh, there's an acceptable risk, but knowing what you're actually getting into. And right now it's the applications that are the, to, to me, like I have a smartphone. I haven't even updated it for a number of years because I use it for email and making phone calls. I don't use apps that much. Really, I don't, um, because I don't really have the time or the inclination to go on to Facebook and say, I really like this book or this cookbook. I'm doing this and that. I don't live my life that way. Some people do. But these organizations, they want you to use this stuff. They're empowering you to do this stuff. So nobody gives you anything for free on the internet. It's like, oh, yeah, use our app. Play this really cool game for free. It looks really like really enticing or, or exciting or whatever. And you go, wow, it's free. Well, is it really? Like when you have to sign up, they go, well, we need to prove your age. And how you do that? Well, we need your credit card. We need this and we need that. And it's like there's always something in the background. Facebook, people are complaining, well, Facebook shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing whatever they're doing with uh, like what they did with Cambridge Analytica and stuff like that. But that's their business model. Their business model is not to make sure that you could put your cat video up or your uh, your pictures of your family's birthday and stuff like that. That's the that's the that's the selling point. You are the product to Facebook. You are the product that they're selling to they're selling your information, your likes your conversations, your presence there, all has a digital trail. And that digital trail is information. And that information in this day and age 
is translated to money. So when organizations want to entice you to do, do things, then you have to really look at look at it hard and and fast and go, well, why is that free? Like, is that really free? Or am I actually being like hoodwinked into something here? So yeah, it, it all really comes down to something you have to do. If I'm if I'm booking airline and hotels and things like that for international travel and my my phones or whatever, then yes. Okay, that's I have to accept that that's fine. But after that, you have to really look at all the stuff that you do on the internet and look at even how your browser is tracking you. You know, are you using anonymous browsing or how you want to do this thing? Because VPNs are great. You know, they can protect your data uh, in transit. But if someone has a keystroke logger and you got compromised on the inside, they can see where you're going. They could they could just track your keystrokes and things like that. So there's a, there's a lot to the background of this thing. How we manage it is really we have to really assess on what our needs are and what we want to do versus what we need to do. What we need to do is the basics of, again, going back to the travel thing. Okay, I understand that. I accept the risk. I'm, I'm assuming that British Airways is going to do their due diligence to make sure my data is private. And, and, and for them, they should be looking at it. We have to keep really, guys, we really have to keep this data private because if we get breached, it's going to really impact our our business model and who wants to fly British Airways if it's going to be British all over the airwaves airways, which they're not. They're all these companies, these big companies, they do actually try because it's it's part of their best interest to make sure that they're secure and solid and you can trust them and you can go to them day in, day out if you want to have travel and stuff like that. So I want to fly British Airways because I've had a really good experience and they I've they've never had a problem. So I'm gonna fly BA versus some other airline that's had hacking problems, has had just issues in the background, which one are you going to choose? So from a social standpoint, for, for us out here, the consumer base, um, I look at that when I, when I deal with organizations and companies. Why would I want to deal with you? You're porous as a colander for spaghetti. <laughs> so, you know, if you're, if you're full of holes, well, I'm not going to be using you. Versus a, a solid company that's been around for a long time that's never had a breach that I know of, I'm not going to deal with you. So it, it that might be a simplistic view, but that's basically it. It's like there's what you need to do and there's what you want to do. Do you really want to do that? Do you really need to do that? Then if you do, then accept the risk. So things like Instagram and all these other things, that's that's really great. But when people people forget, it's like they post these things to Instagram and uh, it's all copyable. Like there's, there's fake profiles out there like crazy for a lot of this stuff. And you see, you know, um, that's where identity theft comes from because people post pictures up on the internet, not thinking of, well, it's only my, uh, my fan base or my people who are, who are, are looking at this stuff. And all of a sudden now you got identity theft, they got your picture, they got, they can get other information off of there, all sorts of stuff, not off of Instagram itself. But when you start correlating stuff, especially if you're a target of an attack, you can have some really problems starting to occur because everything's open. I'm old school. I lock everything down. Some like to have the notoriety for the clicks and the likes and things like that. So everything's open. And as soon as you open up, you open up. And that's where all the personal theft and, and things like that start pouring in because it's just hanging there. If, if you're a hacker, well, why wouldn't I? It's like you're putting a welcome to my life sign on your front lawn and pushing everything in your house onto the front on your front lawn and going, this is my stuff. And they're going to go driving by. Oh, we'll have to come by tonight. 
because it's still going to be out there. That stuff never goes to sleep. And if you put a picture out there, it's always going to be out there. It's going to get copied somewhere, and it's always going to be there. And that thing may come back to haunt you one day. I, I think that sums it up quite well because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can't really, um, you know, go through your life completely closed off to what's happening in the world technology-wise. Um, and, 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 and yeah, I, I, as I said before, I, I think my privacy settings are all up to date. So it is only literally people that I want to be able to find me that can find me on, say, Facebook and, and, and things like that. I very rarely use Instagram myself. But having sort of said that, unless you're going to shut yourself off from the world, you're not going to be able to keep yourself completely at risk. Like like you said earlier about literally the best firewall is cutting the wires and, and simply not going online, not being actually in cyber at all you know that's almost impossible these days everything is done you know on on the cloud uh, you know and and everything is done through you know social media programs and 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 things like that i I don't think that you're ever going to get to a point where you're going to be able to essentially go back to the times where your 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 data the only way of losing that was through the post and of course, it's just a case of the way that we deliver our data to each other has, has evolved from being through the US Postal Service or, or the Royal Mail and, you know, is now done over the internet and, and done that way instead. It, it's just not something that's you're going to be able to cut yourself off from, I, I suppose. No, you can't. And uh, there's been studies out there that show that where the internet is, there's prosperity. Where it's not, it's it's behind and there's poverty and all the bad influencers like crime and all this stuff because that connectivity provides opportunity it provides education you can educate yourself fairly well just by going onto the internet and googling i want to learn about cooking and off you go i renovated my house i'm not a handyman and it turned out great because every time i got stuck i went to youtube and i went how do you cut Miter joints, and I found videos on how to, and I did really well because that's out there. Like I would have to, if this was like twenty years ago, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm going to be hiring a guy to do my crown molding. I did it myself because the the education was out there. Now I know how to do it really well because I was educated by myself to do all this stuff. And it's it's come down to. What's happening is the the man in the middle is actually being shrunk out. And a good example of that is the stockbroker. Stockbrokers don't sell stocks really anymore. They sell the back-end knowledge services, all the experience, expertise, intuition, all the the back-end know-how. That's what they're selling. Because now you can go buy stock from your phone. Why do I have to go go to a stockbroker? You see all these old movies you know, I like my wife and I were like old movies, so we watch all these movies, and um, they the guy's calling a stockbroker. But I gotta buy this stock right away, and he goes, "Okay, I'll put a bit, I'll get it in for you." And then he calls back and got the stock. You don't need that guy anymore. That middle guy is being is being shunned out of existence. It's being very very thin. So everybody's you can set up your own company from your cell phone. Before you had to go to the to the government, register your company, and all this stuff. Now it's like oh, I want to start a company, pay and you start. Go into Google and you go click here, pay with your credit card. Three days later, your documentation shows up in your in your uh, mailbox and then they send you the hard copy. And that's that's something as simple as setting up a company. So you're actually cutting out the government middleman out of their 
because it's being shrunk down. Stockbroker, what is a prime example? Why would I go to a stockbroker? I bet you if you called a stockbroker, they'd go, well, we don't sell stock. They call themselves stockbrokers, or I don't even know if they even call them that anymore. But they sell all the financial services around all that now because it's that's that's the other end. We on this end over here, we go, we want to buy stock. Okay, I'll go buy stock. You go on your phone and you load up the app and I'll buy like 5,000 shares of whoever. And you're off and running. So there's a, there's a big shift happening. We're at the golden age of what is coming up. From what I know from how things have gone in the past to the future, as I mentioned, I would love to go 10 years into the future just to see stuff, how it's going to be, and look at it that way. When I left Toronto, it's like, oh, here's my boarding pass. Okay, thank you, sir. It's like, bleep. Thank you, sir. And he went on, and I, I go onto the plane. Over there, they face scan you, and then you walk onto the plane. There's no boarding pass. Your face is your boarding pass. That's how advanced this stuff is, and that's going to be going everywhere within the next few years because it's such a simple thing to do. Facial recognition uh, software is becoming very, very prevalent. Uh, there's a big project here in Toronto, a smart city a piece that they're bringing up along the lakeshore. And there's lots of controversy around that, um, privacy and things like that, uh, on how we're going to be handling all this stuff. But that's really the future is we're at the cusp of this gigantic revolution that's happening. And you can just see it coming through the uh, all the home automation, which I have some of it in my house, very selective. But all the stuff that's coming in, everything's voice activated. You could talk to your appliances. I saw a uh, advert for Samsung. They were thought you could talk to your you could talk to your washing machine to do the wash. Do you actually need that stuff? Can you go turn the knob? I would turn the knob. I don't need to have that. But there's also a lot of threats around that. So. While you can go have your stove be voice activated or you can put your uh, whatever in, into the stove, your uh, lasagna or whatever, and then you can go on the way home and go, okay, I'm going to start my stove right now. You're on, you're on the train, you go, okay, I, I'm starting my, my dinner. It'll be nice and hot when I get home. Only problem is that stove can become weaponized and some – Hacker could get into your home automation system and put your stove up to like 550 degrees and uh, your lasagna that's in there bursts into flames and burns your house down because that threat is there. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening out there, but uh, and it's fantastic stuff, but we really have to have a hard look at how we're going to be rolling this stuff out. And uh, there's groups and organizations working on this stuff. We are one of them. So we're actually working on the front lines of some of this stuff right now. But there has to be a really hard look at IoT rollouts and how we're going to be securing this stuff. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, we've got to get that out there. We'll worry about the security. It's like very rudimentary, very basic. And then hacks occur. And then you can have the weaponized stove in your house. That is really a big threat. So it all depends on that one key thing that I'm talking about through this interview is that we have to look at things not just from a personal standpoint, but from an industry standpoint of what is the best thing to do here. We're not going to stop this wave coming, but we, what we can do is actually start controlling it and working inside the parameters of what we're trying to achieve here and have some solid goals, and then saying, okay, fine, if you want to do that, this is the security you have to have, 
on the back end on your application or whatever, and it has to be tested by a certified company every year or whatever the parameters are in that. Otherwise, we're in for. Uh, do you think it's bad now? You wait in twenty years. I'll be retired, working on my old smartphone if it's still working. <laughs> but um, there's gonna be a lot more breaches. There's gonna become very exponential. You know, ransomware, malware, all this stuff out there is just gonna start growing because the the threat base is just gonna explode out there because everything's gonna be IoT. Like everybody wants to go IoT on everything, and that's really great. But there's there's a price to pay for some of the stuff, and uh, somebody's got to pay it. And unfortunately, it's us at the, at the back end, the consumer base that has to pay all the price on this stuff. Let's take a quick break before we hear Richard's take on the latest smart tech products. See you in a moment. Content marketing is, it's our obsession. Consumers are always being bombarded with content. So white papers, mostly they are used, I guess, to persuade people. When you're refreshing content, really you're updating it. Go through your notifications every day and respond to people that are connecting with you. We've seen a real fundamental shift in the dynamics of marketing over the last 10 to 15 years. Tech Demand Weekly, the weekly podcast for marketing professionals. Now they know that I'm not just playing the sport for fun, I'm watching the scoreboard. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. When we first approached Rich to appear on the podcast, it was clear that we could talk about a whole host of subjects within the realms of cybersecurity. But the one topic Richard really wanted to talk about was smart tech, smart cities, and the issues around them. We're talking about products like Google Home and how they enrich people's lives. If you look back to when the first iPhone was released, it changed the landscape for mobile phone technology and how we interact with each other. I asked Richard to what extent he saw products like Google Home doing the same. It's gonna. Well, we talked about it. Google Home is a part of the IoT. Uh, there's the. I have to watch what I say because I do have the Amazon thing here in my house, and if I say you'll come up and say something. So I'm censoring what I'm saying. It's it's kind of funny because my TV says something, and the the it, she comes up and starts giving me advice on whatever it, it's because it's listening, right? So we have to watch out for privacy. We have to watch out for the hacker activity in the background. I'm sure you've heard the legendary uh, thing where a hacker breaks into the uh, the baby monitor and starts talking to the kid in the, in the uh, in the crib. That's a baby monitor. But with with uh, the smartphone technologies and all this other stuff, uh, we've covered a little bit of that already. But the connectivity and the processing power that that is going to start happening, and it's going to be in the hands of many more people my mother is oh god 80 80 88 or something like that now she's I, I she's like she's getting up there she has two ipads and she's older uh she's she's still pretty mobile she loves her puzzles she's mentally like quick as anything you talk to her it's like oh yeah i do my thing she she knows how to get onto google maps she was born in Belgium, so she, she knows how to get to her house. She she listens to the music she likes, and uh, she has her puzzles. We she used to do these big puzzles on her desk. Now they're on her they're on her iPads, and the reason she has two is because one will power down, and she could just go to the other one and keep playing her games. 
and stuff like that. But she likes the puzzle games because they're all intricate and stuff. I go, Mom, what are you doing? And she goes, Oh, I'm playing this game. I go, but that looks. She goes, No, look at the symbols. They're all different. So for for uh, for older people and things like that who are like visually impaired, in my estimation, and I think when you get older, if you if you don't do something with your mind, it's one of those use it, lose it things. So with my mother, she's very, very, very much into these things, but she likes those puzzle games with the moving pieces and stuff like that. And uh, she'll, she'll play it for a couple hours or an hour and then she'll put it away. She'll watch her TV shows and she'll do some stuff and she'll come back and play some more, but it's keeping her mentally alert and sharp because she's exercising her, her, her brain. So from a standpoint of technology, um, that's terrific. And I think it's just going to be exponential out there. And I think the more the more technology we can get into the hands of the average everyday person who can leverage these things, connect up, uh, do things, explore, learn, all this really fantastic stuff. It's just going to make us as a race much more adaptable, uh, much more uh susceptible also to to threats but the the frontier ahead of us uh, like right now like, like i said we're at the, i think we're at the we're in 60 70 years or 100 years from now much like the, the wright brothers so we think back to the wright brothers and we go wow they took off and they flew in that rickety plane and you look at it and you go wow that was the first plane and the, and yeah it was the first plane. But now, since I think that was in 1902 or 1904 or something like that, I can't remember the exact date. But between then and now, it's been like 117 years. So we went from, in 117 years, we went from a rickety plane to space shuttle, a space station. That's in 100 years. In 100 years from now, who knows? Maybe we'll have small. Can you imagine? Um, uh, and it's already happening. Uh, you've probably seen. I'm not too sure if you, you've seen uh, where, where you are in London, but uh, in Toronto, uh, in the train terminal, they have wraparound billboards that wrap around columns, and it's small LEDs that they play ads, and it's basically a rollout carpet, and they put it on the wall and secure it to the thing, and then they play ads on the columns because it's it's flexible. You can move it around and stuff like that. So what I think is going to happen one day. And it's, I think it's being developed now, is uh, smart paper. Computer technology has become so cheap that it's going to be pennies per centimeter. Like nothing. It's going to be nothing. And you're going to use it and you're going to go and you can crumple it up and throw it away because you don't need it. It's it's so cheap. Like cell phones, it's like, you know, two years uh, and it's it's out of date and you go get another one. You throw it in the recycling bin because it's you want they want to get the gold and everything out of there. So they recycle it. That's how cheap a cell phone's become now. Before, when you back in 1980, going back, um, I had the old brick phone, and that was a like a thousand dollar phone or a two thousand dollar phone, and it was it was quite the thing, a status thing to to have it because it was like, whoa, you got a cell phone. Yeah, it's as big as my hand, but yeah, I, I like it's huge. I I couldn't even put it in my pocket. Now it's like you just tuck it in your shirt and and off you go. So. It's going to be exponential. What what it's going to bring? I think it's just going to be, just let your imagination go wild, because that's the future of this technology. And it all started from that pivot point of Apple coming out and saying, "This is our new phone." So they basically put this out there, and people went, "Wow, this is just 
fantastic. And video calling 20 years ago wasn't really a thing. Now it's the thing. Like everybody does video calling, like, you know, Skype or all these other applications out there that you can actually do this stuff on. It's so easy to connect now with somebody who you don't even know to start something and start working on something and doing all this magnificent work that you can, you can help people. You can have doctors performing operations at a combat hospital in a, a war zone. And he, and he may go, Oh geez, you know, um, this is beyond me. He can get somebody on and help him over the internet and say, this is how you have to do it, and walk them through the operation because they have the capability or through robotics. I think in, in the future, we're going to have uh, robotic surgery because that capability is already being developed from whatever is going on through AI and all this other stuff out there. It's just remarkable. I, I, I just like think ahead and I go, wow, if I could freeze myself today and wake up 25 years from now, my wife would kind of not like that, but I would be out there and going, wow, okay, 25 years from now. Can you imagine going to prison 20 years ago and coming out today? That's kind of the same thing. You went from basically a flip phone to all this magnificent magnificent technologies, and it would be probably uh, a bit overwhelming at first to go, wow, I could do all this stuff. Like, holy, you know, like, oh my God, it's, it's crazy. But that's the way this is evolving. And this is just in a short period of time. So what that self, what that Apple phone led to is this out there. Applications, people developing things, connectivity, really fantastic things. The, the imagination just runs wild because it can. But with that imagination has to be harnessed a little bit and then held back because people, people love to explore. I think it's in our nature to explore things. You know, we crossed oceans not knowing what's on the other end because some brave people got into a boat and said, we're going that way. And for good or bad, we did it. We went into space. We went to the moon. We're going, we're going to Mars one day. Somebody's got to take that first step. And people often say, well, why are we going to Mars? I guess no, no point. Well, we went to the moon and we had all this really fantastic technology. Do you think they just pulled it off the shelf? No, they had to develop everything along the way. And we're getting all this stuff, the transistor revolution, all that stuff started coming from from that first space flight era. And we often think about that, oh, that was really fantastic why we do that anymore. Well, why aren't we? But we're, we're, we're on our way again. So all the new things that have to be developed through communications and all this stuff out there just to enable us to go from here to the moon and then from the moon to Mars, the technology revolution that that's going to create is fantastic. If you look at uh, what uh, SpaceX has done, to build the uh, Falcon Heavy rocket. NASA and the government say, oh, it's going to cost billions and billions and billions of dollars to do this. And uh, they did it for a reasonable amount. And the United States and the world basically got a heavy lift rocket for free because it was built by private industry. So they could just basically, space flights become so cheap that they can just say, look, you, SpaceX or whoever company, you put the Cap, you put our spacecraft in, into space and then we'll take it from there. We'll do the long-range exploration. But we don't have to build the – we as the government, as the taxpayer, don't have to build <clears throat> the rocketry because the computer technology, all the stuff that was in the background to do that 
that's been taken over pri- by private industry. Spaceflight is actually really cheap now. And that and that's going to enable us to go out into the cosmos and do all this really fantastic stuff. And the, the byproduct is the technologies and the services and everything that's going to just expand from there is just going to start trickling down to Earth. And we're going to go, wow. And in 25 years from now, who knows? I don't. But I'm looking forward to it. One of the questions that I ask all my guests is is basically how do you switch off from your day job? Part of me wants to just throw in here a comment that do you just sit down and 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 just turn the telly on and watch reruns of Star Trek all day? Um, but is there something that you actually do to get away from everything cyber? Do you you know any advice for any any of your peers at all? Um, it all depends on how interactive you want to be. I like my evenings, so I. Uh, unless it's urgent and somebody needs to, needs to get a hold of me, I just um, pick it up next day. I enjoy my music. I enjoy the TV programs I like to watch. And uh, I like to go out. And I like to go out into, we like to do, my wife and I like to do trail hikes and stuff like that. So I like to leave all that stuff behind. I love going on, I, lived in, I live in the Niagara region in, in Canada. And we have some terrific trails. And next year, we're thinking of getting some kayaks and things like that. So there's there's virtual reality, and then there's reality. And you really have to separate the two. You have to have some green in your life. Not just green, like as in green technology, but actually green things. You have to be able to <laughs> feel a branch hit you in the face every once in a while to, to wake you up to the fact that it's not all about that it's about this as well and you need to have that balance so for me it's like well you know i just put my phone onto my stand and i walk away and then i check my mail in the morning and if someone really needs to me needs me they call me and i think people need to people need to disconnect a little bit because we're getting too wound up in in the technologies and stuff like that you know if if you need to have that that latest greatest iphone and you're willing to wait in line for two days for that opportunity to get that now, this is just me, but I think there's something wrong there. If you have to have that the exact second the door opens, then then you have some personal issues, I think. Again, that's just me. And if if that's your thing, then hey, all the power to you. You have your technology and you, you want to live your life that way, then that's that's perfectly fine. We all we all have our choices to make in, in, in life and stuff like that. Mine, maybe because I'm older, I like to do something other than that like i i live in this world uh and, and work in in what we do all the time and you, it's like it's like being a doctor and going to a party and have someone start talking to you about oh, my arm's sore my leg's sore you know what it's like you know i'm not here to talk about your arm and leg with all due respect just make an appointment and i'll see you in the morning and that's kind of the way i, I operate and i think i think a lot of people uh should look at having some balance in their life and you really have to have that to have a healthy uh step back on some of this stuff you know what it's like sometimes you, you you get so close to something and you're getting upset by it or whatever and then the old adage well i'll sleep on it and it'll look better in the morning and that actually happens like you you can do that and you go and you get a fresh perspective or whatever and you look at it and you go "Nah, that wasn't that important I was getting all wound up about this one thing and it wasn't really that important because I was so I was so close to that thing that you start losing focus on what the bigger picture is. And I think we all have to have the bigger picture in, in life. So that's your family. Whatever your life is, 
you have to make it as pleasant and nice for yourself, balance the technology part, because that's part of our life. That's not going to be going away. And all this other stuff that you want to do. And go do it. Life is really pretty simple, I think. And when it comes down to that, it's just a matter of what are your priorities? If it's all technology and, and stuff like that and working, 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 well, then that's fine for you. That's If that's what you want to do, that's great. Myself, I like to have that balance. My thanks to Richard Zalewski and to you for listening. I'll be back next week with more people of tech. I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>